Okay, so let's get into the Word this morning. Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing our study through the epistle of uh, Philippians, Paul's letter. We are in verses 10 through 16 today. So why don't we stand together as we read the Word. Hallelujah. Verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, To the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless this sermon, Lord. I know you gave me something to share. Bless it, Lord, for your glory, for the edification of the church. Uh, Let it be fruitful. Uh, Let us hear good reports that uh, the word of God is changing lives. So, Lord, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our eyes that we may see the things that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to get back to the, the gift to the fathers. Last year we gave, we gave out paint, little paintbrushes. So there's a painter's theme going on here, you know. because That's because I grew up in a painter's household when I was a kid. My father was a painter. And I was too for, for many. James has his little brush back there. That little brush represented the, the scripture from Ephesians. We are his workmanship created for good works. We're his painting. And so this, this is, uh, I've been thinking about this for about a year. This will be a good gift to the Father. So stir up the gift that's in you. Okay, so Philippians chapter 3, verse number, starting verse number 10. Well, last week was verses 1 through 9 which was entitled Confidence in Christ Alone. Let me just recap that real quickly here. Paul was basically saying, I've given up everything, all my earthly and worldly achievements to pursue Christ. In verse number 8, he says, um, I count all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And so um, in verse number nine, he kind of summarizes what he's saying. He's saying that my righteousness is not by all the things that I did, all the accolades that I got, all the education I had, all this stuff that he mentioned already. My righteousness is found in none other than in Jesus Christ. When I put my faith in the Lord, I became the righteousness of Christ. Now, let that sink in. Let that bring a smile to your face. There's nothing you can do to get right with God other than to receive his forgiveness and his grace. Receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We will never be good enough, smart enough, religious enough, wealthy enough, or whatever. It's all by the grace of God. Now, let that sink in, because that's a great word. That's a great message to get. If you don't hear anything else, get that today. 
You can't do anything to save yourself except receive what God has purchased for you. This is a theme in Paul's letters. In Galatians 2, he says, you've been justified not by works, but by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. Last week, I, we mentioned that uh, in Acts chapter 9, many of us know Acts 9, which is the story of Paul's conversion, his testimony, when he was knocked to the ground on his way to persecuting the church. But Philippians 3 puts it more or less under a microscope and tells us what he gave up to follow God. You know, if you could think about that for a minute, the, the great, you know, encounter with Christ the great aha moment when we recognize I'm a sinner and he's, he's God and I surrender my life to him. That's one thing. That's the beginning. But that's not the only thing. Then comes the reality of a changed life and living out our faith day by day by day. That's what we see in Philippians chapter 3. All these things that he was, which I won't go through again today. He gave up all those things and re recognize, I am nothing. I, I'm nothing without Christ in my life. And I love the story because this is a man that used to persecute the church. Now he's a spokesman for the church. It's a glorious thing. But, but anyway, he goes down to verse number 10. And he, he says, all of that, I gave up everything that I may know him. That I may know the power of his resurrection. And I may have fellowship of his sufferings. And in verse 14, he says, uh, he says, um, of, let's see, 13 and 14, uh, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all together, but I, I press toward the goal. Paul is on a mission. He's on a journey. He's on an adventure in serving the Lord. And you know what, church? So are we. If you haven't gotten the, 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 the gist of this whole thing, as Paul is talking about his life, we're living our life in a similar manner. We need to be giving up all of our achievements and accomplishments and give it all to the Lord. Let God use it for his glory. We are on a journey. So I've entitled the message today, Press On. And this is an encouragement to the body of Christ to keep going. You may have obstacles. You may have setbacks or shortcomings or disappointments or uncertainty. But if you could learn anything from this message and from the example of Paul, know that God is still there with us. Paul is in jail at this time. He's awaiting a trial. He's probably going to be killed within the two-year period. Timothy's visiting him. Epaphroditus is, is sick and he has his problems. The church is having their struggles. Every one of us is a work in progress. So today we're going to look at verses 10 through 16. And then I want to give you a few aspects of what we can do to press on in our lives with the Lord. Now, verse number 10, I find it an interesting place to start because actually verse number 10 is a continuation of verse number 9. And verse number 9 is a continuation of verse number 8. And it goes 8, 9, 10, and then 11 is all one sentence. So let me give you my paraphrase of what verses 8 through 11 say. Are you ready for this? Already or not, you're going to get it. Here's what Paul is saying, a uh, uh, composite. I've given up all worldly accomplishments so that I could gain Christ. But in gaining Christ, 
I discovered that I can and I must and I do know him. I do know the power of his resurrection. I do know the fellowship of his suffering, which ultimately leads me to an eternity with him. I, too, will be resurrected from the dead. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Let me say it again. I've given up all worldly accomplishments so I could gain Christ. But in gaining Christ, I discovered that I can, I I must, and I do know him. I know the power of his resurrection, and I know the fellowship of his sufferings, which ultimately leads me to an eternity with him. I, too, will be resurrected from the dead. Verse number 10 concludes by saying, being conformed to his death. So we, we die to self that we may live unto him. We see this in Romans chapter 6. But Paul is saying, I'm giving up everything. I'm dying to myself that I may live for Christ. And when I live for Christ, I really know him. I know the power of his resurrection. And I also know the fellowship of his sufferings. Jesus said, and Paul reiterated this concept, that a grain of wheat or a seed has to fall to the ground and die before it reproduces fruit. In the same way, we have to die in order to to, uh, have fruit in our lives. Jesus had to die before he was resurrected. We can't have the life unless we die to ourselves first. 100% death equals 100% new life. And anything less than that is falling short of where God wants us to be. So Paul is saying, if I can just make this clear, verses 1 through 9 kind of concludes with verse number 10. I've given up everything that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, verse 11, if by any any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. And I get the idea that Paul is saying, if by any means, like is he going back to maybe his accomplishments, like maybe that would get him to that place? Not really. He's saying he knows he can't do anything without Christ moving in his life. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great resurrection chapter. Death is swallowed up in victory. And Paul is saying in, this, in these two verses, 10 and 11, I've given up everything that I may know him, know the power of his resurrection, and know his sufferings, and, and that ultimately that uh, I, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He's got eternity on his mind. Does everyone get that? He's got eternity in the back of his mind. You know he's in jail. He's awaiting trial. He's awaiting death, actually. And he's thinking about it. I find it interesting, though, because in another place, in 1 Thessalonians 4, when Paul was teaching about the rapture, he said, then we who remain will be caught up with him in the the air. He was saying that he would be here when Jesus came back. Now he's saying, well, you know what? If I die, whether I die or am raptured, I'm going to be resurrected from, from the dead. I'm going to be resurrected to be with the Lord. So, whether we die or whether we're raptured. Now, if I took a survey... Which one would you prefer, death or rapture? I'll take rapture. It's like everyone wants to, no one wants to die, but everyone wants to, wants to get to heaven, but I'll take rapture. Of course, we, we don't have the final say on that. So anyway, so he did all that, 
uh, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In verse number 12, he kind of clarifies what he's talking about. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I like that. Not that I've already attained. I'm not perfected, but I'm going in the right direction. I'm going in the right way. I press on. I, I continue. I slug it out. If I fall, I get up. I, I bear the elements. I fight the good fight. I, I'm walking out my faith with, with fear and trembling. I, I'm grasping on to, to what Jesus has. And he says in verse number 12, I haven't, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paraphrase what that means. I'm pressing on because I want what God has for me. Jesus has something for me. I'm going to hang on, press in, and fight this good fight to receive all that I can from the Lord. Anyone relate to that? I can relate to that. I, I want all the blessing, all the anointing, all the thing, all the opportunities that God has for me. In order to get that, I've got to keep pressing on. I've got to keep going for it. I've got to keep running the race. Verse number 13 continues the thought. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. <clears throat> I find that interesting that he would say that. Because in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, writing about himself. He says, I know a man... Whether he's in the body or in the flesh, I don't know. But I know a man that was caught up into the third heaven, had revelations and visions and heard voices that were inexpressible words. And he had these great insights into the things of God. Um, and the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh in that instance to keep him humble. But here he's saying, um, I, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I don't know everything. But I do, I do know some things, but I don't, I don't have everything. Um, verse 13, I don't have it all, but this is what I do. This is what I do. He says, one thing I do, but the one thing really has three parts to it. I forget my past. I, I stretch forward to the new things, and I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal is the finish line. The mark, the end of the race. The prize is glory. The prize is heaven. The upward call is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Like an athlete running a race, um, Paul said in another place, the athlete will buffet himself, train himself, so he won't be disqualified, but he'll run the race. So 10, 11, 12, 13 uh, Paul's just kind of saying, you know, I, I've given up everything that I may gain Christ. I'm running the race. I don't have it all together, but I keep pursuing the Lord. Verse number 15 says, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. In other words, those that are mature think like the way I'm thinking. We're being perfected. Think this way. And if, you, if you're not thinking this way, we're going to trust God to reveal this to you. I find it interesting that in... 2.5, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And here he's saying, let this mind be in me, you know, which, you know, let this mind that I have be in you. And um, verse number 16, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In other words, he's saying, wherever we are, whatever, wherever we are in this walk with the Lord, let us walk with the same fervor, the same mind, the same passion. Let us continue to go for it. So I want to encourage you, church, 
Press on. Press into the Lord. Keep going with the Lord. Now I could tell you, and I'll be the first one to say, there are obstacles. There are things that get in the way of our walk with God. There are situations in life that are heart-wrenching and difficult to navigate. But I, for one, I'm thankful that I could navigate those things with the Lord now. I don't know what I would have done had I gone through some episodes of my life without the Lord by my side. Some people will say, well, when you get with the Lord, everything's going to be easy and a piece of cake. I find it sometimes the opposite of that. I find it difficult many times, even with the Lord. But if it weren't for the Lord, I don't know what I would have done. This week, as many of you know, uh, on Monday morning, we drove down to New York. My mom is 96. And so I, we try to go down every four or five weeks to visit for a day or two. Uh, the three-hour ride now takes five hours just because of traffic and construction. I'm not good in traffic. I just want to confess. I'm not good in traffic. But I've learned to, I've learned to be patient. In fact, I learned a, a, <laughs> I learned a couple of months ago one way to take off a lot of stress off of my, my shoulders in, in taking this drive well, I used to, let me just, <laughs> I, I used to try to break the record every time. I could make it in three hours and 15 minutes. Well, this time I'm going to make it in three hours and 10 minutes. Never really worked. But I would get there, I would, my, I would be so tense. But one day, uh, several, a couple of months ago, I was trying to break my record. I saw him. On the right. I passed him. He pulled out. The light went on. And I had to pull over. He was very firm. And told me how fast I was going. It was the wake up call. I'm just sharing my heart with you. But I, I realized from that point on. My trips to New York are less stressful. You know why? I obey the speed limit. <laughs> I'm not trying to break the record anymore. It's, it's history. If I find myself getting a little close to going over, I say, whoa, i got to get back over to this lane. I'm just saying, life is full of things. My mom is 96, several health problems. Um, going down there to visit and sleep, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge sometimes. Uh, but I love my mom. We love our mom so much. It's a joy, actually. Coming back and getting ready for the sermon and everything, that's always a challenge for me. But, you know, we, we, we keep going. We keep going. A few weeks ago, I, I shared that Pamela and I celebrated our 30 years of senior pastoring. There were seven years prior to that as, as an assistant. And um, I don't know. I, I would have I thought that by now, everything would be easy for me. But you know what? It's not easy. Doing what we do is not easy. I wish I could write a book on how to be a good, successful Christian or a good, successful pastor. I can't do that right now. I'm still fighting the good fight with all of you. So today's Father's Day. I always have this, this thought in my mind, who's going to come to church? Who's not going to come to church? Uh, what's, what's the service going to be like? What will worship? Now, I kept thinking about last Sunday. Last Sunday, after church, I could have died and gone to heaven. I would have been a very happy person. We had a glorious service on Sunday, if you were here. 
How do you make that happen? You, you, you can't. It just happens. It's just something that God, God intervenes. Uh, uh, intervenes somehow, does something different. But I guess I've learned over the years, no matter what comes my way, and now speaking from a father's experience, raising three kids. Stacy's our oldest daughter, by the way, in case you didn't know. Stacy, her brother Jeffrey's in North Carolina. Betsy's living here locally. Raising the kids, raising the grand, helping raise the grandkids, being involved with our families. Always challenges, always situations. There's always stuff. There will never be freedom from all of that until we get on the other side. So this, this message is simply press on. Keep going. Don't let the, the, the things of life bring you down to a point where you lose faith, you lose heart, you lose hope. Don't let that happen to you. That's why the gathering of the saints is so important. We share our struggles, we share our victories, we share our prayer requests. We pray for each other. We honestly pray for each other. We fight the good fight together. And so when someone struggles, what does the word say? Someone struggles, we struggle with them. Someone weeps, we weep with them. Someone gets a victory, we celebrate with them. We have joy with them. But we're in this walk together. So if Paul is saying, anyway, to press on, I want to talk about three different areas to press on that he's talking about here. Um, The first area is this. Press on in what you know. And let me talk about that for a minute. Press on in what you know. Yes, Bible study is important. Um, coming to church is important. Um, reading the word every day, you know, getting study material, reading all these things, worshiping the Lord, all these things are important. But, but something, if you follow the example of Paul, He's given up everything that he may know Christ. So we're going to press on. We've got to let go of a few things. We want, to, we want to, verse number eight says, I've given up all things, I count all things as lost, that I may, uh, that, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I want to ask you, what have you given up to know Jesus? What have you given up in your life? I want to give you some suggestions here, some examples, and uh, bear with me as I share these things. But some things that we may need to give up that we may know him a little bit more. Well, you're all here in church today, so that's good. Those on live stream are good. But our Sunday morning leisure time is something we may have to give up. I I was impressed. Someone this morning told me that uh, it was very difficult for them to get into the house of the Lord today, but they made it into the house of the Lord. Can I tell you something? That's the attitude to have. I got to get to the house of the Lord. Now, do I sound old school? I probably do. But I don't see any other way to make it in this world, crazy as it is, without the body of Christ. Yes, live stream, and God bless you on live stream, designed for those that are maybe sickly or can't get to church that day or maybe far away. But if you're in the area, I beseech you, church, get into the house of the Lord. If you want to know him, you're going to have to give up something at home or, or some, something along the way. Now, I know some people work on Sundays, and that's a different story. But some people are doing yard work. Some people are going to the beach or to the pool. Some people, whatever, they're do, traveling. I'm just saying, get into the house of the Lord. When we first got saved, 
way back in the day, someone told us, you need to be in church every time the church doors are open. Anyone ever hear that? That's passe now. People don't say that anymore, but I say it. Every time the church doors are open, if you can, get into the house of the Lord. There's something special about the people of God gathering together to worship God. Let me give you another one. What about secular entertainment? Now I'm, gonna, I'm getting in preaching mode here. What about secular entertainment? I want to be careful with this. Because I don't think listening to secular music is bad per se. What I'm saying is sometimes we, we put so much time and money and energy and, and emotion into the secular concert. It's robbing our spiritual joy. You hear what I'm saying? I don't know that, that a Christian should be going to secular concerts, spending two hours at a time filling your brain and your mind and your spirit with all this ungodliness. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Something's got to give to know God. I think I told you this, but many times when we first got saved, my first year of salvation, for, number one, I said the sinner's prayer every day. I had it written down on a piece of paper. I said it every day for more than a year. And finally the Lord said, you know, you don't need to say this every day. I said, really? Yeah, yeah you're saved. You, you know, you're good. Okay. That was a relief. <laughs> but then uh, every now and then I would listen to a secular radio station. And as a musician, I, you know, I like music. And some of these rock so guitar solos would just go right through my heart. And I would listen and say, oh, God, forgive me for doing that. I, I, don't, I don't mean to get into that. But, but something had to go to get more of God. And the Lord has never let me down personally. If I give up something for God, man, he, he blesses me and, and makes me know him even more. Now, big thing in my house was sports. Oh, my goodness. Every, every Sunday there was a football, many football games, baseball games, basketball, big, big, big thing. It was almost like sports was a God. And when I got married... And when I became a Christian, which happened at the same time, first of all, my wife is not a sports fan. <laughs> so I had, something had to give in that regard. But I realized that was robbing a lot of my time, a lot of my energy. I needed to spend that time with God and with my family. So some things have to go that we may know him. What about unproductive busyness or, or, or recreation? I believe in recreation, but I don't know that I believe in it on Sunday morning. Um, I just think, you know, we need to give up something to know him more. What about knowing the power of his resurrection? Do you know the power of his resurrection in your life? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if we are in Christ, we're a new creation. Are you a new creation? Have old things passed away? Are things new in your life? Do you know the power of his resurrection? It's one thing to talk about it. But do you know it personally? Do you know that uh, uh, Romans 6, 4 and 5 says, when we die to ourselves, we live unto Christ. Do you know that Christ can help you beat the addiction you're dealing with? Do you know that? That's the power of his resurrection. Do you know that? Or do you just read about it? It's for somebody else. Do you know that you can travel a new path? You don't have to be confined to the way you were raised or the way you were brought up with certain values. You can take a new direction. 
And, and also you can have a knowledge of eternity. This, this thing, the power of his resurrection, has something to do with eternal life as well. Because we will be resurrected with the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Do you know that? Do you know that should you die, you're going to heaven, you're going to glory? Do you know the power of his resurrection? It's not in your own righteousness that you'll ever be made right with God. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. But when you receive that, give up your life, give up your, your dreams and hopes and place it all in him. When you get that, you, you get the power of the resurrection power within you. I, I told you this before. My cousin told me, my cousin heard me, saw a video of me preaching. She said to me, as serious as could be, I don't even know who that guy is up there preaching. I said, that's because I'm a changed person than you knew before in, my, in our lives. I don't know who you are anymore. Well, I'm a new creation. It's true. But do you know the power of God, the power of his resurrection living inside of you? That makes tremendous opportunities for us, church. What about this? Do you know the fellowship of his sufferings? Well, most people like the first part of this part. We know we want to get to know Christ. We want to know the power of resurrection. That's all good. But the fellowship of his sufferings, most people say, I don't know about that. Have you ever suffered for Jesus? I wonder. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, listen to his uh, credentials. Five times I was beaten with 40 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've been in perils often, weariness, sleeplessness, hunger, deep concern for the churches. He said, I got scars on my body, scars on my mind, scars in my spirit. I wonder if you've ever suffered with Christ. Press on in knowing, in knowing him. Well, to know him, you're going to know him, you're going to know the power of his resurrection, and you will encounter sufferings if you're following Christ. Let me give you some examples of what I mean. If you take a biblical view on sex, morals, and marriage, you will definitely encounter some suffering. Saved by the bell. <laughs> you take a position biblically, <laughs> you take a position biblically of these issues, you will stand out like a sore thumb. It could be with your family, it could be with your co-workers, it could even be with other Christian people. You take a biblical position on tithes and offerings and what you do with your money. People will ridicule you and mock you. When I, when I first heard that a tithe is 10% of your income, I, seriously, I told the person, I said, I think you made a mistake. That, that can't be right. I only make this amount. You want me to give 10% of that? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. I said, really? You tell that to people in the world, they think you're crazy. But that's what the Bible says. So if you, if you do things biblically, if you ever have a Christian worldview of Israel, of Ukraine, of China, of the USA, a Christian worldview, if you see things through the, through the, the glass of, of the Word of God, if you remember what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Really? You believe that? Yeah, I believe that. You say that in the public square, 
you'll be mocked and ridiculed as intolerant and hypocritical or whatever. You take a, a biblical view on, on the necessity of prayer. Well, you pray every day. Why do you pray every day? A biblical view on reading the Word of God. Why do you read the Word every day? A, a biblical view on the second coming of Christ. A biblical view on the tribulation years. You take a biblical view on anything, you will encounter sufferings in this life. So, press on and how you know Him. Let me go on to number two. Press on in what you do. Verses 13 and 14. Paul breaks it down into three areas. One thing he says is, I, I forget those things that are behind. What Paul is talking about is his sinful past. He forgets what he did. What he, he doesn't want to remember how bad he was, how, how, how he hated the church. He, he forgot about those things so they wouldn't interfere with what he had to do now. So for us... Well, I don't know how, how our past is for everybody. I don't know what everyone's past is here. But whatever your past is, you, you confess your sins. You, know, you, you forsake your, your past, your sinful life, and you, you leave it behind and you follow the Lord. Now, that's the ideal. However, for many people, many people are still dealing with the sin, even though they've come to Christ. So I, I would say, uh, you know, keep fighting it, keep confessing it, get help if you need it. But you can't let your past prevent you from moving forward in Christ. That's what he's saying. You, you press on in, in, your, in what you do with your life. See, I guess I've known people and I've struggled with this in my own way for many years, but... Um, you know, what, what we did before is under the blood of Jesus. We can't, we can't uh, hang on to that and, and go on to the next level. This is what Paul is saying. I think Paul has sometimes felt guilt and shame about it. He re referred to it a couple of times. But regarding the things in our past, the scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's in the past, and that's in the present, too. I don't know any Christian who doesn't sin. Do you? No, don't even say. <laughs> Every Christian I know sins. I, me, too. We're all in the same boat. But I want to I press on in what I do with that. What I do with that. You know what I'm going to do with that? As soon as I recognize what I'm doing wrong, I'm going to repent and forget about it and move on with God. I can't let it trip me up. I, you, neither can you. You can't let your past hold you back. You can't. You can't live in the past. Jesus came to give new life. Now, I'm not saying we don't, you know, we, we, we remember things. Yeah, I mean, our past helps shape who we are. But we can't, we can't let it, like, chain us. We can't let it hold us back from becoming who God really wants us to be. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 12, one of my favorite scriptures says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. So forget those things that are behind. What are you going to do? You can't change it. I mean, if you can apologize to someone, apologize. If you could pay someone back or whatever, yeah, make sure you do those things. But if it's an emotional attachment to your failure, we got to get beyond that church. We can't live under that shadow of who we used to be. 
We're a new creation in Christ. Forget those things uh, from the past. And then he says to, to move on, to reach forward to those things which lie ahead. Remember last week I was talking about when, when Paul said he gave up all these things that he had. I, I made a statement. Should we not get education? Should we not pursue our goals? Should we not have dreams? Well, yeah, we should have all of those things in the right perspective. But he's saying, don't, don't let the things behind you hold you back, but reach forward to those things which are ahead. It's like an athlete stretching and reaching and going for more. And then the Lord, the Lord is telling us we need to be uh, reaching to do something different with our lives at this point. I mean, what, what do you want to do? What, what is on your mind? What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are your ambitions? Are you being hindered by your past? Are you being hindered by what people said about you or say about you? Uh, Paul is saying, and the Holy Spirit is saying to us, you know what? Forget the things that are behind, and you reach for something better. Reach for something more. Whatever you want to do. For me, I mean, I had a lot of things going on in my life when I first came to the Lord. I got saved, and I got married just about six weeks later. I wanted to have a family. wanted to have an education. I wanted to have a decent job. I wanted to get involved in ministry. I wanted to play my guitar in church. A lot of things I wanted to do. And let me tell you something. I had to work through my past. Because that little voice in my mind was saying, you, who do you think you are to do that? I can remember many years ago at our former church, we used to have a, a special uh, harvest night celebration, and we had, we had a talent night. Stacey, you remember, you were in this skit. We had a skit of Rocky uh, boxing. We had two skits, we had a couple of years of this thing. We had it like a series. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the series was, uh, I forget, and I'm getting a little confused, but anyway, I think Jeff, our son, was Rocky, and I was the bad guy. But anyway, we, we made a, a, a pre-recorded uh, tape. In the back of it were these whisperings, who do you think you are? You can't do it. You have no strength. You have no power. You can't do it. And Rocky was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And that little boy beat up on the big guy in the, in the skit. I'm just saying, you know what? You can't let your past control you. God has more for you to do. And, and see, in my case, how, how God worked in my life, being the kind of person I am, I guess, or was, still am, but I didn't know I could do anything. And so the world bothered me. I, I failed in the worldly way. But I found my place in the church. I had graceful people around me that loved me, saw my potential maybe, had grace on me. And little by little, they let me do things. And I'd go home and say to myself, wow, I can do this. I can, I can, I can be productive. I can be different than how I thought it was going to end up. But it happened in the setting of a church. You see what I'm saying, church? That's why church is so important. Church is like a safe place. It's a place to find yourself. Find your niche. Find your talents even. 
you know, I played guitar for a long time. When I first got saved in those days, there weren't not many guitars in the church back in those days. But my pastor was kind of revolutionary. One day he said, hey, Rick, bring your guitar to church. You can play those choruses. I said, really? In church? He goes, yeah, we'll do something different. Open up a whole new door, man, a whole new avenue. I've been worshiping the Lord on the guitar ever since. And so, you know, there's, there's secular music, which is all right. It has its place, I guess. But there's nothing like Christian music. There's nothing like Christian music. And let me say something else. That song that Ella wrote, Stacy and Dan, God bless you for instilling God, godliness in your kids. And, and Ella's gifted, uh, you know. But for you all to applaud her, thank you for doing that. I'm sure she will remember that. She's finding her niche in the church. Come on. That's where it's at, church. So you can't let, let the past hold you back. Reach for something. I mean, you know, I was 26 when I got saved. I thought I was basically done with growing as a person. <laughs> Boy, was I naive. I'm still growing as a person. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, my role and my place and what I have to do with my life. But you too, you know, don't let your past hold you back. We all made mistakes. We've been, for, I don't know, we've been forgiven. God has given us a second, third, tenth chance, whatever. But reach for those things that lie ahead in this life. Get the education, get the job, get the training, whatever you want to do. Do, do the thing that you've been thinking about for a long time. And then he says, the last part of this, he says, uh, as far as what you do, you press toward the goal of the upward call, right? Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. What is that? that that's the, the goal is, is heaven. The goal is, you know, getting to glory. The, the goal is, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, I, I, I want to encourage you, what, what you do, yeah, forget the past, reach for something in this life, but in the back of your mind, go towards the things that have eternal value, Build up treasures in heaven. Finish strong. Keep your eyes on Jesus as you raise a family, as you get a different job, as you get more education, as you go further on in life as a person, as your influence grows as an individual. Stay with Jesus. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. If you fall, get up as soon as you can. And get back to church. If you know anybody that's left the church or is having a problem, you tell them, Pastor Rick said, man, you better get back to church. Get back with the rest of the sinners that are trying to make it. We're all in the same boat. You know, get back into the flow of the spirit. Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall when calamity strikes and basically not get up. So we need to press on in what we know and in what we do. And then thirdly, we need to press on in where we're going. And this is verses 15 and 16. And let me just summarize this by saying where we're going, we're going to a place of maturity in Christ. We're going to a place of when things happen, I'm not going to go... 
to, to catch a phrase, to coin a phrase. I'm not going back to the corner, corner bar to have a drink. I'm not going to go down the street and get high with some of my old friends. I'm not going to uh, cheat on my wife or do anything stupid. I'm not going to fall apart when things happen. I'm going to come to the altar and pray to God. I'm going to seek God. What are you going to do? Like you have little kids, you have young kids at home. Young kids are a great blessing. What are you going to do when they're teenagers or young adults and they leave the faith or they get mad at you and they tell you a thing or two? What are you going to do when your grandkids stand up to you and tell you you don't know what you're talking about? What are you going to do if one of your kids says, I don't believe in the God that you believe in? What are you going to do then? See, at some point we have to get to a place where our maturity in Christ is going to take the abuse that we get. And there will be abuse as we serve the Lord, as we suffer with Christ. People will say things and do things, but it's all basically, get this, it's all basically a trick of the enemy that wants to tear you down. Ultimately, that's what it is. The Satan would love nothing better than to have us throw in the towel in our faith. Let go of Christ. Go back to the way we used to be, whatever we, that was. But our, our goal, our, we're pressing on to maturity, Paul writes, as many as are mature have this mind. So let me ask you, church, are you getting better? Are you getting closer to God? Are you feeling his presence? Are you feeling the anxiety and being torn of, I, I, I don't want to do it, I can't do it, I'm going back to the world? Are you in this dilemma? Is your old man still dead? Are you experiencing more victories than you are defeats at this point? I like what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 1, which is our theme. Their faith grows and their love abounds. People grow at new life. But our faith is growing. Our love is abounding. We press on to maturity. We press on to stability. We press on to longevity. Verse number 16, just concluding here. Whatever, what he's saying is wherever you are spiritually. And so he recognizes people are in different places spiritually. Some are more mature than others. But wherever we are, can we just bind our hearts together and keep going in Christ? Can we have a passion for serving the Lord? Can we have a passion for winning the lost? Can we have a passion for helping one another? Can we grow to maturity and stand the storms of life that will definitely come sooner or later? Jesus said, the wise man is the one who builds his house upon the rock. When the rains come and the winds and the storm, his house will stand because it's built upon the rock. But the foolish one, when those things happen, his house will crumble. So will we move on to maturity and stability? Will we not be so likely to get offended at people? That's a big one. That's a big one. People look at you the wrong way. They walk out the door. See you later. Not going there anymore. People say the wrong thing unintentionally sometimes. People get hurt. People get their feelings hurt. Can we just be a mature believer and say, you know what? I'm going to give a little grace to everybody. In fact, I heard one pastor say, I posted it on my Facebook page. The series was about forgiveness. He said he wakes up every day and he says, Lord, I forgive everybody. <laughs> I forgive everybody in my past. I forgive everybody that's going to mess me up today. I forgive everybody. 
I've been doing that. <laughs> Lord, I, I just want to forgive everybody before it even happens. I just want to be clean. I don't want another problem. Can we just be mature and get on with it and recognize, man, none of us have arrived. I mean, Paul's writing this. We hold, hold Paul on a, on a big pedestal. He's saying, you know what? I, I don't know. I haven't attained. What I do know is I'm pressing on. I need to know him better. I need to do better with what I have. I need to press on to maturity. Paul's saying this. And so I think it would do us well to, to follow his lead and to press on. Press on. I'm blessed on our Sunday nights, the, our prayer meeting online. We have a lot of people on there. Now, I don't know what everybody's doing because I can't see, but I see the number. But I think 25, 30 people sometime on a Sunday night live stream prayer meeting, that's great. Some of you need to get on there. But that's the time I go to the beach or go to, uh, I'm just saying, you want to know Christ a little bit more? Some things have to go or go at a different time. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be preaching, you know, how the importance of Sunday morning church till the day I die. I will. I know the value of church. And I know it's not culturally the thing anymore. I, I get that. But the word of God hasn't changed. When the, when the Lord changes that part about not assembling together, forsaking the assembling, then I'll change my view. But until then, I'm going to keep my view. You know? So we want to press on. Can we stand together? Let me just summarize. Press on in knowing God. Knowing the power of his resurrection. So some of you are going to go home and you're going to think about, what is, how can that apply to my life? Well, maybe there's some areas of your life that you need that resurrection power. Unless you're enjoying your sin too much, then you have another problem. But if the resurrection power can help you, invite that into your life. Suffer, know the sufferings of Christ? Maybe some of us have never... There's people at work that don't even know that we're Christians, maybe. Maybe there's people in our families that have no idea that we're Christian people. Tell somebody. Tell them kindly. See what the reaction is. And enter into the sufferings of Christ. Don't let it rock your world when they don't approve. They probably won't. But maybe in time, they'll want to know what you know. And God will use you to lead them to the Lord. So we press on in knowing the Lord. We press on in what we do. Please, don't dwell in your past. Don't let your past be like a, a chain holding you back from doing things. Break free. Reach forward. Do something else. Do something good with your life. Ultimately, press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And yeah, press on to maturity. Where, where are you going? Where are you headed? Have you reached the pinnacle of your spiritual life? I haven't. I'm still finding things out I never knew in the Word of God. I'm enjoying a couple of books right now. The insights are incredible that, that people have. Learning things, applying things to my life. Where are you going with your life? Well, let's read that verse 13 and 14 if we can. Can you read it with me? Brethren, 
I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Every head bowed for just a moment. What Paul is talking about is surrender. Is there anyone here that wants to surrender 100% of your life to him? That hasn't yet done that, yes? Maybe there's some pockets of your life that you're holding on to. And it's hard, I, I get that. But the Lord is knocking on the door of our hearts today saying, you know what, give it up. Give it up that you may know me, says the Lord. You, may, you need to know me, my power, my authority over your lives. I will help you do things in your life you never dreamed of before. In the process, you will become a mature believer in Christ. Well, I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for the word today. And just want to pray blessings over the congregation, over those on live stream today, Lord. I pray that the things that were said Many, Lord, were not planned to say, but I pray that you use it. Let it find our, its way into our hearts. Let us press on. Lord, let us not be content with where we are. Let us not be lackadaisical and apathetic. Lord, let us have a, a thought that, you know what? You could very well be coming back tomorrow. Let us have that sense of urgency in our spirit to get our lives in order should you return. And Lord, may that be our plan and our motto until you do come back or until we die to, to meet you face to face, whatever. So Lord, I, I pray that this sermon will bear good fruit, that you will be exalted in our lives, that this congregation will press on to that upward call, to, to know that upward call of preaching Christ, living for Christ, sharing Christ, leading others to you, Lord. Let that be our ultimate goal. Father, I want to pray for the membership classes to bear good fruit. May this congregation grow and develop the way you want. Lord, may leaders spring up. May, uh, may different teachers spring up. May different uh, leaders of different ministries get, get curious uh, and may this church uh, expand our horizons in what we're doing to further the cause of Christ. Father, we pray for our community. We pray that the Spirit of God would begin to move up and down these streets in Haverhill and up into New Hampshire and surrounding areas. Just begin to, to, to move on people's lives and, and, and stir them up, Lord, that they would become curious about the things of God. Father, I want to pray for a woman that came by the church just the other night as I was changing the sign out front. She said, oh, I love this. I love your sayings you always put there. And she's curious about the church. Lord, I know thousands of people see that sign out front. Lord, let there be good fruit from that sign. Let people get curious about the things of God. And when people come to visit us, oh God, let them find what they're looking for. Let them find you. So I pray your blessing upon everyone, everyone at home on the live stream. Let us have a good rest of the day, Lord. And may your blessing be upon uh, our prayer meeting tonight at 6. 
And may your blessing be upon this Father's Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thanks for being here. We'll see you tonight at 6 on the live stream.